here in the room or watching online. Hopefully you're, you're feeling already right at home. I, um, this, this Sunday is a very special Sunday as we're receiving our uh, story offering uh, this uh, morning, and we'll, we'll um, be doing that at the very end of service. Um, before we do that, uh, I, I want to talk for the next couple of minutes, uh, and, and it's about this, this idea. I, I feel like there's two, two types of people in the world, two types. Uh, and, and they, um, they, they can be, they can even be from the same family, um, or they can come from the same school. They can have the same town that they grew up in. Uh, they can even marry each other. Uh, they, they're just two different types of people. There's one type and then there's this other type. And, and let me tell you who they are. The, the one type sees, uh, the, the gas light go on in the car, and they immediately start looking for a gas station. The other type sees the gas light go on in the car and says, she got 15 more trips in her, at least. There is no judgment between one type or the other type. I don't know where you grew up or, or what happened in your life to make you fall into one type or another type. Um, I, I could kind of vacillate between the two sometimes, uh, but mostly I kind of find myself over in this type because I'm like, man, I just don't, I don't like tempting fate. I, I just don't like that. I feel like that's just, why would you do that? My wife, on the other hand, she is, oh, oh, Betsy's got a long way to go yet. They, they, anyway, they even, they lie to you when you, they, 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 she literally goes to the part of the manufacturers lie to you when the light comes on. <laughs> and they, there was so much more gas in that tank. And I'm like, who hurt you back in your life so bad that you can't trust a, 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 a car manufacturer that you're actually thinking that they're like, no, 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 they're lying to you. There's so much more gas. And, and I, I don't know. Uh, where you fall in that, and because you know, there's sometimes that you're just like, man, I don't know how we got there, but I'm now I'm running on empty. I gotta find uh, this. Uh, I gotta find a gas station. I um, I, I I don't like the feeling of feeling like we're even close to empty. I, 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 maybe some of you really love you. You're daredevils. You 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 have a, a problem with feeling safe and you like to feel on edge all the time, you're adrenaline junkies that just like to live on the very tippy top edge piece. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I don't like that feeling. It makes me a little nervous. I don't like empty at all. In fact, that's why I feel like Costco wins all the time. Because people walk in and they're just like, I don't need one jar of peanut butter. I need 15. Because I'm in love with a backup. I, I, Listen, Jess and I love backups. We're like, I don't like the ever the feel. There was one time, this was when Watson first uh, was born, and Watson was going through, he drank, uh, he ate, drank these, these vegetable packets where, you know, people like, hey, let's just mix a bunch of vegetables and, and fruit in a thing and, and have them suck it up so they don't ever have to chew in their whole life. And so Watson is sitting there, he... he he liked these. He liked, so Jess said, well, you like these, okay? So she got, we had a huge drawer. She moved everything out of the drawer and just lined them with all of these packets. There were hundreds 
of packets. I opened it up. I was like, we have a problem. This is not normal behavior for, for people. Because I, there was this feeling that I, I don't ever want to run on empty. And, and I want to talk about this idea a little bit. Because now, now some, some of us get forced to run on empty. We, we get forced to run on empty emotionally. We get for, forced to run on empty energy-wise. We get forced to run on empty financially. And, and, and so you're like, I, I'm just trying to fight to get out of that cycle. Because there's this feeling of living on the edge that I do not like. This goes way past your gas tank. And, and I, I, was, I was thinking about this idea, um, and, and maybe some of you have heard this story before uh, throughout Scripture, um, but it's Elisha uh, is helping this widow in 2 Kings chapter 4. said, one day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha. Now, the group of prophets were the ones who served with Elisha. Elisha was the main prophet of God, but there was a group of prophets that walked with him, and they all knew God, and they all served God, and they were, they were really uh, the people that uh, other people would go to and say, give me a word from God for my life right now. Now, this was really important during this time because there was a lot of things going on in the kingdom that were really treacherous and hard, and people needed a word from God, Have you, and, and, and they needed something that said, hey, God's looking out for me. So the group of prophets took care of so many different people along with Elisha. And so this uh, widow, a member of the group of prophets, came to Elisha, cried out, my husband who served you is dead. He was a prophet. But he served with Elisha. And she said, my husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. So my question to myself, to all of us, is, is what should I do when I helped everyone else? What should I do when I helped everyone else and I'm the one who's empty? I don't know if you've ever felt that before, but that's a very real feeling. And sometimes we don't talk about it because it sounds self-serving. And sometimes we don't bring it up because it feels like it's going to push people away from doing the right thing. But it's a very real emotional response to feeling like I have done the right thing for a long time, but now I'm the one who feels like I'm empty. And, and this is where this widow finds herself, she's like, our family was doing the right thing. He was actually a part of the prophets of God. And now that he is gone, now I'm not only going to lose my husband, now I'm going to lose my kids. And so now all of a sudden I'm feeling like there's a huge vacuum. Come on, church. There's a huge vacuum in my life. And I feel like God has left me when I have done everything I can do to help other people. And now I'm the one paying the price. Now I'm the one who's left empty. How am I going to work through that? Have you ever felt like that before? Have you ever dealt with those situations before? Have you ever fought with that fight between your heart and felt like, man, what am I going to do in my life? 
life because I feel empty. I've been giving out. I've been giving out. I've been giving. I started to tithe and now I've lost my job. I started to give and now I'm having financial difficulty. I've started to do the right thing with my kids, but they're even going further down the wrong way than I've ever seen thought possible. I've always been in the wedding, but I've never been the bride. I've always been the person that everybody's cried on, but now that I feel like I got emotional problems, nobody's there for me. Have you ever felt like you've been empty when you've helped everybody else? Because I'm telling you, you're not alone. Even though the enemy would like to let you know that, oh, no, 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 you're the only one that feels like that. There are people that have gone through this in their life over and over and over again, and what do we do then? What do you feel like? How do you move past those emotional things when you feel like I've given everything and now I'm empty and I don't like this feeling? You got a choice. You can hide or heal. And that is the choice we all have to make. You can hide or you can heal. Because some people, when they feel empty, they start hiding. They, they feel like, especially when they've been the one that's been the helper, they start feeling like, well, I'm not able to even feel like this because I'm always the one that's helping people. And so when you feel like you're always the one that's helping people and now you're the one that needs help, you don't know how to operate in that position. So all you know how to do is hide. And when you start hiding, the problem is when you start hiding, this is not what this lady did. She didn't hide, she went right to the source. Elisha, what can we do? But so many of us like to hide and say, oh no, I'm not gonna talk about these things, I'm not gonna talk about my emptiness, I'm not gonna talk about, I'm the one that helps people, I'm not the one who needs help. And so then you start backing away. Now God can't ever heal what we hide, and so when we hide those things, there's never a chance, this is why at some point you gotta take the Band-Aid off. If you leave the Band-Aid on for too long, the thing can't heal the way it needs to heal. And so there are moments in your life where you have to stop hiding from the things that are hurting you the most and say, okay, Okay, God, show a light on me so I can actually be changed. Now, I've noticed that sometimes when people start hiding and, and, and they don't want to heal, what happens is they start getting mad at everybody around them. They start saying things like this, well, no one reached out to me. No, 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 one, no one ever said hi to me. No one ever, no, no, no. They did for 15 times, but you said no every single time because you wanted to hide. But the story you're telling yourself is that no one reached out to you. And it's not helping you, it's just hurting you. It's not making you better, it's making you bitter. And you're standing there by yourself, hiding in your own hurt and hiding in your own emptiness and not making the choice to, I just want, I love what this lady did, she's, I, I want to heal. So, because I want to heal, I'm going to go to the source. I'm going to go to, and, and this is how you make this change. When you start getting vulnerable and you start getting open and you start saying, and listen, and you tell, everybody, you tell everybody what the issue is. This is the issue. So many of us, we think 
that the only way that we are able to be around people is when we're whole. So that's why you hide until you feel like you're presentable. And I'm telling you right now, it, and it's a disease that the church sometimes even, we, we don't even try to. It just happens where you are not, you feel like you can't be around a lot of people until you're a certain way. Till I got my bank account right. Till I've got my sin figured out. Till I got my issues worked out. Till I feel better about myself. Till I feel like I've got things unlocked. Till my family is better. Till my kids are acting right. I don't get go down the list of all the things you want to have all squeaky clean before you get around people. And I'm telling you, that is not transparency. That's just a, a fashion show. And it's not going to help anybody. But this girl said, you know what? I'm just going to be open and be vulnerable. And I love what she did. She went to the prophet. I don't need somebody to just take my side. I need somebody to get me help. Right? I don't need your pity. I need power. I don't need you to commiserate with me. I need you to help me connect with something. I don't, I don't need your pity. I need a prophet. I need somebody who can actually speak into my life, not just come by my side. There's nothing wrong with somebody coming by your side, but at some point, I need you to lift my eyes off myself and onto God. And so that's going to require somebody who can speak the word of God to me, not just a nice, nice poem. I, I, I need something more. I love that she went to the prophet. So then this is what he said. Verse 2. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me. This is when this one gets real good. It was good. It got better right now. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Our help is in the house. Our help is in the house. He said, what do you have? He didn't say, what do you have around? He said, what do you have in your house? What, what do you have with you? What do you have living with you right now? Because he's, what, what he's trying to get her to see is you have more than you think you have. And, and her response showed why he asked what she had in the house. She said, I got nothing. I, I have nothing. I don't have anything in my, I don't have any emotional uh, response to you. I don't have any financial response to you. I don't have any time left for you. I got nothing. I told you I'm empty. And Elijah's saying, no, what do you have in your house? She said, nothing at all except nothing, because she's looking at that little small thing and said, that thing will not do anything to help what I'm going through right now. Nothing. I've got nothing. And I want to let you know the enemy would love to make you believe you have 
have nothing. You have nothing in your family. You have nothing in your finances. And every time you look at something, it's like, oh, that's nothing. That's not going to help you. That's not going to. Those friends around you, they're not going to help you. You're going to need more than that. Those people around you, they're not going to help you. That church is not going to help you. God is not going to help you. You have absolutely nothing. And so many times we believe this lie, and I'm telling you, it's a root lie. It's a root lie that the enemy has used from the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve choose to sin, they're met with the serpent, the enemy, Satan, said the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from fruit from any of the trees in the garden? There's a whole sermon in that. Don't have time. Of course we may eat from fruit of the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. Okay? God said you must not eat it or even touch it. That's not what he said. But again, uh, if you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Now look what he says. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. How did the enemy get, the, get them to choose fruit? He showed them that they were lacking something. And showed them that they didn't have something. See, you don't have this, now you need it. This is a root lie that the enemy would love for you to believe. You don't have enough finances. You don't, you don't have enough opportunity. You don't have that relationship. And so many times we fall into this. This thing's not happening in my life, and this thing's not happening in my life. I'm, I haven't dated in five years. I, I, I can't believe I'm not married yet. I can't believe I don't have that promotion yet. I can't believe that my family hasn't done this for me. I can't believe that I haven't got that opportunity. I can't believe that this we're still in the same financial place. I can't believe that we're still dealing with these uh, credit cards. I can't believe that we're still uh, running around this same hurt. I can't believe, and you keep looking at all you do not have. And Elisha said, what do you have? And she said, I got nothing because she's believing something that is a core lie that the enemy started at the very beginning, that you don't have something, but God is trying to let you know you do have something. Your help is in the house. Stop fixating on what you don't have because God's not going to ask you for what you don't have. God is going to ask you for what you do have and he's going to ask you for what is going on in your life right now. Some of us don't come to God because we think he's going to ask us for something we don't have because we've been believing and seeing something we don't have all our life and not seeing what we do have. And when you start making this translation of, oh, I, I, I need to see what I, what I do have, then you have help in the house. L let me read this scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Because this is where you get help, just so you know. This is where you get help. Your help is in this house. Your help is in your house. He said, what do you have? What did Elijah say? What do you have in your house? I got nothing. Check my bank account, Elijah. I'm not lying. It's jack 
zero, nothing. And Elijah said, no, 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 there's something. You just don't see it because you're blinded by the enemy that wants you to, tell, wants you to live. Some of you are living in an eyesight that God hasn't given you. And you're wondering why you live with lack. You, listen, some of you are more blessed than ever before. But if somebody asks you, you say, I got nothing. You have more friendships than you ever had. And you said, but I don't have that friendship. You have more people that believe in you than have ever believed in you before. But you're like, but I still don't have a date. You, you, you have more things going for you than ever before, but you're thinking, why does all the bad stuff happen to me? And you live in pity, and we live with this poor me, self-loathing, looking at everything uh, halfway empty, and always when somebody asks you, what do you have? You're like, I got nothing. Because you don't. You don't look at new things with new eyes. This is what Paul said. You all right? It's about to get good. I know it's a little hard right now, but it's okay. We all needed it. All right? We all needed it. I needed it. You needed it. We all needed it. You know, I'm just giving you another pop, pop. Okay, now. The hug's coming soon. I, I promise. You know, it just feels a little, ah, I got you. Everybody ready for the good part? You know? But can I just say, the good part really is that part. Even though it just feels, oh, stop, shut up. <laughs> I don't like you talking about this. I, I get that. But you got to see truth before you can change. So, so if we only get hugs, then, then sometimes we never can change the way God wants to change. Okay, never mind. That's not part of anything. All right. Verse 6, Philippians 4. Everybody ready? This is good. I mean, this one's like a ha-ha, come on. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Okay, maybe there's a little more like pop-up. All right, you know what we do? You know how many times we, do, we reverse this? I've preached about this a bunch. I'm going to preach about it again. You know how many times we reverse this scripture? We worry about everything. We don't pray about anything. But the problem, the reason that we, we do this is not because we don't like prayer, it's because we think worry is prayer. And so we think in our minds, because I worried about something, I actually prayed about it. No, you just worried about it. You actually worried about it. But you think you prayed about it. No, you didn't. Let me tell you what prayer is. God, I have this insane coworker. They're terrible. I know I'm not perfect. They're way worse than me. God, can you do something in their life to change them? In fact, help me to see them in a new way. God, help me to see them how you see them because I know you love them. I don't love them right now, but God, I would like to love them. That's a lie. God, I would like to like to love them. 
And so God helped me at this moment to see this person how you see them. And God, I don't know what they're going through right now. I'm sure they're going through a lot. So God, whatever stuff they haven't shared with me that is in their background, God, would you make a way for them? It's hard to hate somebody when you pray for them because you look at them a new way and you walk into your work the next day and you're like, Dad, gummit, I wanted to hate you, but all I do is want to give you a hug. Because God changed your heart when you were praying. But you know what? That doesn't happen when you worry. And you look at them and you're like, God, they're just the worst. They're just the worst. I just I can't believe they acted like that. And then they said that thing yesterday and no one said anything to them. And why were they acting like that? You know what? It's probably because they're upbringing. You know, some people just don't know, even know how to, to, to go through this. And then they say that stuff. Some people need to be slapped in the face. That's what some people need to do. I, you know, maybe somebody would just walk in there and tell them what's up. Because they really need to know what's up. Because because they've been messing with my peace for far too long and they've been in my head and I can't believe they did this and I can't believe that. And then the next day you walk into there and you're like, why? That's what worry does. It's not prayer. And you thought you prayed, but you worried. And Paul said, man, that wasn't even part of my sermon. Oh, oh, okay. Don't worry about anything said. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. It's what the widow, widow did. Elisha, this is what I need. So here's where we stop. We love those first. Don't worry about anything. It said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Mm -mm. Plus it with and thank him for all he has done. And thank, and thank him for all he has done. We're good at telling God what we need. How good are we at thanking him for what he has done? Why is that so important? Because it changes your eyesight. Because you do not then, when somebody asks you, what do you have in your house? You're like, let me tell you what I have in my house. What I have is God did this in my life. And what I have is God did this in my life. And look at this over here that God did, that I had no business even being in this job, but God put me in this job. Let me tell you what God did over here in my finances when we thought we could never pay this bill, but God did this. Let me tell you what God did over here. All of a sudden, you've got all of these things wrapping off of your mind because you understand that God has done way more and God will continue to do way more because in the middle of telling God what you need, you also need to tell, thank him for what he has done and said, thank you, God, for this and this and this and this and this, and it changes the way you see things. So when people ask you, what do you got in your house? You say, I got a whole bunch. It might look like small things, but God used small things for big things. God has done this and this. Stop ripping apart the things that God has in your house. Thank God for what he's done. Then look, look what happens after this. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. How do you, ex how do you experience God's peace? Well, you unload the things that you need him to do, tell him what you need, but then you also thank him for what he's done. Then you experience God's peace, 
Some of you are not experiencing God's peace because you are not telling him what you need and you're not thanking him for what you've done. Do you know how many people, uh, uh, they, they want more money or they want more finances, they want all the things. You know why they want that? They want that because they want peace. But it's not going to give them peace. I, I'm telling you, it's not going to give them peace because you, we experience peace when you take Okay, God, that's what I need. I need this. Thank you for what you've done. You'll experience God's peace. Then look at this. It exceeds anything we can understand. We get this with the story, a flask of olive oil. How's that going to bring you peace? I got nothing. Right? Some of you are like looking at your relationships like, that doesn't give me peace. Some of you are looking at your bank account right now, and you're like, that doesn't give me peace. Some of you are looking at the bills that you have to pay, and you're like, that doesn't give me peace. So, some of you are looking at so many different things, and you're like, none of those things give you peace. The only way those things give you peace is when you put them into where God says, okay, God, I'm going to tell you what I need, but I'm going to thank you for what you've done. Now, all of a sudden, you can look at a little flask of olive oil and be like, that gives me peace. Because it passes all understanding. Then look at this. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. God's peace, so many of us want to be guarded by peace, but we're trying to get peace in the wrong way. So, so what, is this, what is this girl going to do? Because I want to be guarded by peace. Come on, come on. I want to be guarded by peace. I, I, I don't need to be guarded by a bank account because it's not going to last. I'm not going to be guard, guarded by a relationship because a person's going to let me down. I don't want to be guarded by this thing, this job, or that thing because it all, it all sometimes is going to let me down. But if I'm guarded by the peace of God, he is never going to let me down. I can walk into situations over and over again feel guarded. So what, what does this situation end up with, with this girl? Elisha says, okay, here, let, let me read it real quick. Second Kings chapter 3. And you got this widow. Verse 3, Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars you can from friends and neighbors and go into the house with your sons, shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons keep bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Everybody, this, this cool to anybody? No, this is just normal. You guys do this often? Awesome. I'm coming to your house. There aren't any more, he told her. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. And when she told the man of God what had happened, he said, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left over. I love that. I, I, I love that last part. Just God's not only caring about what you're going through now, but he also sees a future of what he's going to take care of you with. 
look at this story, and you know, you, I, I, I don't like the piece where, where Elisha's like, go get empty jars. Because this lady was already telling Elisha, I don't have anything. I'm showing you my emptiness. And Elisha goes, well, go get more empty. What? Maybe you didn't hear, man. I need some full jars. I don't need empty jars. And some of you are getting more frustrated because all you see around you is empty. And you don't want to run on empty. Because you're scared of empty. But God is asking us to switch the way we see things. And not be scared of empty anymore, but actually run on it. And I felt like as I was reading this scripture last night and wondering how that woman felt and how stupid she felt going to get empty jar after empty jar after empty jar when her whole life is empty and filling herself with emptiness. I felt like this was a lot of some of your all stories. That all you see is empty around you. And when God asks you to go get more empty, you get more concerned. Because all you feel is emptiness around you. Maybe empty emotionally, empty physically, empty financially. And you're like, man, God, I just need some filling. And, and all you see around you and this is what I felt like God said for some of you this morning. And I, I don't know if this is a couple of you or, uh, or maybe more. That the reason that this is so hard for us to see is because we see all this emptiness as holes and not jars. You, the emptiness you see is holes, not jars. And when you see your emptiness as holes, you see that it's just a never-ending thing that's never going to be fixed. But when you, come on, when you see things as jars, now you see things that God is going to fill. And so every single piece of emptiness in your life is actually just a moment that you see like God's going to fill that and 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 the more jars that you have around is not emptiness anymore. Come on, it's capacity that, that God can start filling and God can start pouring into because he's changed your mindset and he's changed your eyes and where you don't see emptiness anymore, you actually see more places for God to fill and I actually look into this house and see there's more things that God is actually going to fill he's going to fill your relationships he's going to fill financial problems he's going to fill job applications he's going to fill moments in your family that you don't know how to fix he's going to fill healing he's going to fill all of these different things that you felt were all just a hole God says it's not a hole it's a jar and I've asked you to go pick this jar up and bring it to me. Because the more empty, 
the more I can do. Right? What did the Bible say? The Bible said that the, when did the oil stop flowing? Let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to pray in just a moment. When, when did the oil stop flowing? Not when the oil was run out. When the jars ran out. When did the oil stop flowing? Not when the oil ran out. It was when the jars ran out. I'm not scared of empty anymore. Because I know that the more empty around me is just the more opportunity for God to fill me. I'm not scared of those things anymore. I know some of you, you walked in here this morning feeling overwhelmed with the emptiness. You put on a good face. Looked pretty churchy to me. But you can't fool God. And you walked in heavy. Because what you did this is the last thing, and then we're going to pray. Because what you did with your emptiness, you didn't bring it back to your house. You just carried it on your back. And some of you walked into this church this morning just carrying a bunch of empty jars, wearing it like a necklace. Look at all my emptiness. Look at all my emptiness. Look at all my emptiness. And what did Elijah say? Go get the jars, bring it back to your house. Set it down. And I'm going to do a miracle. And I, and I felt like this morning, some of you just need to set that jar down. Stop carrying it making it a part of who you are and saying I'm empty here I didn't have this person say this to me I didn't have this person do this to me you don't know my family upbringing you don't know the, the, the hurt that I've been carrying you don't know the things that feel like I'm just empty and God is saying if you set it down I'll fill it up if you set it down I'll fill it up let's get our hands off of our emptiness and start letting God fill up some things that need to be, come on church, where I'm just going to put this aside right now. I'm not going to hold this anymore. I feel the Holy Spirit in this room right now saying some of you need to drop this stuff. Stop pulling it around and saying, and starting, some of you are letting the title of empty be your name because you're holding this thing for far too long. And God said, you're not empty. Just drop it. Just put it down. Just put it down and I'll fill it. If you put it down, I'll fill it. So all over this room, if you would, just close your eyes. Just you and God at this moment. I'm going to pray for you. First, I want to pray for some of you who don't have a relationship with God. You, you've never made a decision to follow him with all of your heart, mind, soul, strength. You maybe been in church, but you don't have a relationship with him. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. Maybe some of you are watching online. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. This is your moment. And I promise you, God's going to fill every, every single empty space in your heart. 
if you just dropped that jar. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want you to put your hand over your heart right now. If you've never done that, and this is your moment. If you've never done or maybe you need to rededicate your life to following Jesus. If that's you, I want you to put your hand over your heart. Man, I feel the spirit of God in this room right now. Working on people's lives. Come on, like real church stuff. Not, 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 not just coming and, and getting a check mark, but real stuff here with God. With your hand over your heart, I want to pray this prayer. Come on, church, you pray this with me. Just repeat this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And I ask you to forgive me for all my sin, all my mistakes, and give me the grace to follow you with all of my heart for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.